Hello everyone, Luke here. Um, one of the best documentary series I've seen uh, on football was 2018's Sunderland Till I Die. It was an in-depth, unalloyed look at a great, proud football club going through a really tough time. Uh, to me, it was the authentic, real, more interesting little brother to Amazon's all or nothing about Manchester City. And to coincide with the release of season two, I was given the chance to chat to one of the show's creators, uh, producer Ben Turner, to talk about how it was made, how he felt about making the show, given that he's a lifelong fan of the club and lots more besides. But before we hear from Ben, let's just take a quick listen to Sunderland Till I Die to give you a flavour of what it's all about if you haven't seen it. When I come to Sunderland, I say pride, passion and loyalty. This is the most intense crowd of the whole country. It's terrifying. There's no other way to describe it. Who are these potential new owners? I've inherited a fragmented, disillusioned team. That I believe in what we were doing as a club? Absolutely not. This club recently went 12 months without winning a single game here. The football club being sustainable is integral to the happiness of the entire city. This is what stops people crying in church. If we're going to get this club turned around, it has to be done now. We might have a problem. There are other clubs interested in a lot of our players. The bigger issue is whether they actually want to stay. There's so much at stake. This is a highlight of my career, the player for Sunderland. We've got two kids, and what if? You just don't know what's going to happen next. Our fans, this is their money going into the football club. They trust us. So what are our middle management doing? We're still in a firefight. This was it is a failed top business. And unless you guys understand that, you'll never make it in this world. This football club is going to kill me. Ben, um, thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. See, season one of Sunderland Till I Die was a huge hit and um, we'll come on to why that is perhaps a bit later. But as a fan of the club yourself, did you go into this second season with any trepidation, with any different feelings? Um I sort of got. I was hopeful that it would be a happier time um, for the club uh, this season. We knew that uh, we knew that we were going to get pretty a different kind of access this time round because Charlie and Stuart um, were much more on board and involved. I mean, than than, than the management last time. Martin Bain was up for it, um, mm. but he was uh, he wasn't as forthcoming. I, I think maybe. He was in a bit of a more difficult situation. He was in a bit more of a bunker mentality at that point, and Ellis Short wasn't involved at all. Um, when Stu and Charlie took over, they they felt um, that the series was was a really good thing for the club. You know, a League One club to have that kind of profile. So they mm. felt that the series was important to the club, and they were very much about being transparent, reaching the fans, and sort of getting a feel good factor back. So we certainly had a sense, uh, I would say, of, of real excitement about the series. And were you, did you did you always think you would have a season two ready to ready to go? Because obviously there was a change of ownership and and the feeling around the club was probably slightly different. Was it was it a relief to you to know that the, the new ownership were happy to continue to provide you with the access? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and not just to provide it. They was you know the access on that on that side was was a lot better um, this time around. Mm. And and did you ex- did you expect? Um, or experience kind of any resistance from within or without the club to, to making it, or were people just very happy that Sunderland was getting this profile 
for, for I mean the worldwide profile, I suppose, and and because you because you're a Sunderland fan yourself, and I know that some of your team are as well. Um, it was it was just a case of doing it out of love rather than trying to exploit anything. Um, we I mean Jack Ross wasn't that up for it. The, right. the manager, we didn't uh, we didn't get, we 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 struggled a bit with access to the to the to the first team. Um, I don't we, it wasn't unpleasant. Um, mm. But it, but it, but we, yeah, there was we had to sort of work around it. But the, but we, you're always looking for a kind of uh, new way of presenting the story. And considering mm-hmm. how many of these sports docs there are out there, uh, if you want to sort of, if you're, if you're, if you've come for understanding the tactical ins and outs of how the how a team wins football matches, then you're probably better off watching the Man City doc. Well, because um, yeah, you can see Guardiola in all his glory. And then I was going to come on to that. I mean, when I mentioned at the start, I mentioned at the start that why Sunderland's Lado was a huge hit and, and why that is. To me, I mean, obviously, I'm not the authority on it, but just as a viewer of both those documentaries, yeah. the Sunderland one and the Man City one, to me, the Sunderland one felt, felt real. And that's an authenticity, even if people don't realize it, is a really, really important part of making nonfiction content, right? Like documentary series and stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we we definitely feel like we'd rather have a bit less access, but the ability to tell the story the way we see it um, than the other way around. Uh, yeah. uh, and I think that that's been borne out in how the how the uh, series went down. But I think also, weirdly, those those obstructions they lead you, they challenge you uh, to think more originally. I mean, we, we as you said before, we are some fans of Sunderland. I, I grew up in London with a huge romance for the city of Sunderland and the football club. I, I wished I could have grown up in Sunderland as a kid. Why is that? I just, I don't know. Well, my family are all Sunderland fans and um, there's a kind of mythology to it. And, and mm. it's just a romance of the place. I remember turning up at Roker Park and just being like, Oh my God, they all support Sunderland here. Most of initially, most of my football watching experience was going to away games and seeing us get like thumped at Tottenham or Arsenal or my first mm. game was at Portsmouth and sitting, you know, basically with sitting with the home fans while the entire stadium jumps up and you just sit there with your head in your hands. Um, so walking into Roker Park as a kid and just being like, Oh my God, this is like a cathedral and everyone around the city's wearing shirts. And I don't know, it was just, uh, and, and, I, and we always had so much fun. As a kid, you got no gauge of it. You know, I had loads of family up there and we'd have a great time. So I had a real romance for the place. And I think that that was something that we really wanted to bring to the screen in the show. The, you know, the football club's a conduit for something else. Mm. Um, we, we were talking earlier about, um, about In the Hands of the Gods, which was the first film we made in 2007. And in those days, you know, sports docs weren't, quite what they are now that that game's been changed a lot by by the netflix and amazon and the other streamers um and also actually by the box sets and stuff you know people are much more into those those box set drama series conditioned everyone to want to see stories in that way uh, as opposed to feature docs which is what it was all about when we started mm. but the challenge in, in that moment at that point in time was people saying well why would anyone want to watch a football dog and so we've always spent a lot of time thinking about what else that story can tell apart from just the action and so with Sunderland, it was a lot about that romance. But the the restrictions that we got pushed us more towards the fans and more towards the city and the social resonance of it. So I so you know in a way it always ends up being a positive if you can see it right. Yeah, and and so as a, as a, as a Sunderland fan, is it, is it um, was this? I know I know you guys are at the production company make lots of very successful and, and great shows, but is this a particular labour of love for you and, and something that you had had your eyes on doing for quite a long time? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. This is this is the one. Um, 
the, what we always wanted to make from, from you know from the outset of setting the company up. I mean, we, we we I joke about this, but it is actually true that we used to uh, basically every season we'd call Sunderland Football Club up and attempt to like make the, the club do the end of season DVD. Um, oh really? And, uh, yeah, and they never let us. I mean, we were in good company because, uh, you know, Brian Clough wanted to manage the club and they wouldn't let him either. So we, we took solace in that. Um, <laughs> in that <laughs> Is that the only thing you've got in common with Brian Clough? That's basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more or less the only thing, yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, but, but, yeah, we, this, this is really, like, it was a real labour of love for us. Um, and we're very proud of having made it. And when people, a couple of people in my interview, in the interviews about this have said, well, what next? What would be your dream project? This genuinely is, was the dream project, you know. Does that kind of present its own problems then? Because how how easy is it for you as a as a diehard fan of the club to give yourself enough separation to make the kind of correct editorial decisions around what you're the, the show you're actually producing? Um, I think in a world there's an interesting question. It can be very painful. I mean, cutting being in the edit suite, cutting those disappointments is really like it's really mm. difficult. I feel like. Um, it didn't cloud my judgment too much in that, but one, just like one thing that, that, that we haven't really spoken about much, but it, it, there was, it was how, when we locked picture on this series, Sunderland were really in the doldrums. Like mm. we, it, they, they'd lost a lot of games. They were slipped falling down the table. They'd appointed a new manager. And it didn't look like it was working out. Um, and we had a long conversation about putting a caption at the end, uh, of the series to kind of contextualize where they were later. And mm. we realized that that was actually, that was a, that was a fans thing. That was us as you, rather than as filmmakers, that was us as fans being, right. being basically being a bit angry that the club were, were where they were. Mm. But uh, we, 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 in the end, we took it off. The, the, the season leveled out a bit. Mm. Um, but that, that was an example of, of sort of heart and head. But most of the time, uh, there wasn't there wasn't a struggle. There were a lot of other things that were strange about it. Weirdly, it affected it, 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 it affected the fan side of the equation more than the filmmaking side, if that makes sense. Because the filmmaking side, I sort of know what I have to do. As a fan, getting a bit getting the perspective inside the club kind of ruins that ability to stand up and just like yell at the owners and be sort of because <laughs> yeah. I sort of got to know them and I know that although they made plenty of mistakes, they really had the they really were trying and they had the club's best interest at heart. So, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that's something that really comes across in the first episode of the second season where um, you can see um, Stuart and Charlie and, and their, and their significant others and the people around them in the director's box. I mean, they look ashen faced with nerves about the first game <laughs> yeah. of the season. I mean, and, and, and really you couldn't have wished for a better game of the season to start a documentary series. Could you, because of the way no, it totally. turned out. And but also you, who we played against and how the, how the series ended up. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't want to spoil the people who haven't followed Sunderland that closely, but yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. I, I think, I think also Ben, one thing it really did is it humanized the owners. You know, yeah. I, I found, I found, um, in the first season with Martin Bain, I found him to be a certain type of, I don't want to be, be rude about the guy, I don't know him, but a certain type of character where he seemed to enjoy the camera being on him. I've, I've found Charlie and Stuart, so far at least, uh, in what I've seen, to be a lot more kind of rounded and more humanised, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, as I said, I think it was, it was tricky for Martin because he was really in a bunker. Like he was sort of basically left holding the baby. And, right. he, and and it did matter to him to get the club on its feet, but I think he was a bit, he perhaps is a tiny bit more polished as a CEO and media trained. 
and more experience in the world of football. There's there's a thing they you know they call it media training, but what it really is is teaching people how to just not get drawn into saying anything significant. Yeah. Um, and I think Martin was in a was was in a tricky sort of spot that first season, um, and sort of had a bit of more of a tin hat mentality um, of damage limitation and how the hell he was going to work us out of out of what felt like an inevitable decline from where he was standing mm. um as a charlie and stewart were came in with a lot of optimism and and excitement you see what I mean? you know like martin, martin bain it, it was like martin bain was providing over presiding over a sort of funeral right and they and they were presiding over a wedding like okay where, yeah where, where that marriage was going to lead you know it's complicated but yeah it was yeah. exciting for them you know yeah, fair, that's a fair point. And and, and going back to the uh, the community aspect of the, of the show, you and I were speaking earlier about how the best documentaries are kind of human stories, aren't they? Really, and and I, and I was interested yeah. in the thing you said about how the access to the first team and to the manager was was, was actually a little bit difficult, and so mm. you sort of turned your attention to to the fans of the of the club and the community around the club. And to me, it's a better series for that, I think, because that's a lot more relatable. It's kind of a lot more interesting to see how much the club means to people. There's a beautiful bit in the first episode where everyone's putting the new seats in the stadium. Yeah, and it's, it's great, genuinely yeah. quite a heartwarming scene, you know, and, and, and that, that really drew me in, actually. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, weirdly, this thing about community is kind of even more relevant now seeing as we're all stuck in our houses but yeah and there's but there's this weird thing about how we're all reaching out to each other or like you get a sense of the kind of contact that we need and the cohesion that like we need as human beings and the, the football clubs at their best do represent that and and straight and straight club like Sunderland is it's so local you know the whole it's it, it really is um something for that city um, to sort of coalesce around, and and they and I think Stuart and Charlie were very uh, were very aware of trying to bring that back or kind of embrace that and harness it. Um, yeah, and and it, and it was great for you know we I'm all on board with that because that's you know even though I've lived even though I grew up a few hundred miles away yeah um, that feels like my in a way it feels like home to me you know or, or a very important touchstone in my life. Is is seeing what it means to the fans and seeing them go through difficult times, sort of over and over again. Um, was that the hardest part of making this? Because really, as a documentary maker, you can't interfere in any way, really, can you? No. Well, if I it also, if I you know, if I could have, I, I really would have. I'm just mm. lousy at football and have no way of helping. <laughs> I'm only I'm not good for much in this world. That that's what I can do. <laughs> it's document it. Yeah. Um, but. Um, yeah, it, it, I, one of the things that we came to realise through thinking about the series and making it is that basically most, even like some of them are particularly sort of bad and lose a lot, but basically most sports, like only one team ever wins mm. or in each league or in each competition. So most people watching sport, their experiences of crushing disappointment one way or another. Mm. So actually, in a way, that's more relatable to people Um than um, sort of than a, than a kind of glorious march to victory, so uh, so that when, and when you're making a series like this and it's in, and you want it to reach out to people internationally, I think that's the, basically the common thing for most sports fans. Mm. So seeing seeing sort of a particularly uh, poignant example of loss and misery probably had a lot of more resonance than just glorious victory. Yeah, I think so. And 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 on the international side of it, I mean, did you, were you did you have a brief from Netflix, or did you have a, an internal brief, perhaps, where you wanted to make this 
very accessible for international audiences and it wasn't just a British thing. It's kind of a, 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 a universal story that you want people from all over the world to enjoy. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we used to, we talk, we called, we called, we, we had a sort of fictional character called Mr. Milwaukee. And right. we were like, is, is Mr. Milwaukee going to understand that? Is Mr. Milwaukee mm. going to care about that? Um, it's quite interesting when you're making shows for these streamers, how that's, that's changed, you know, beforehand, it would it was a lot more if you're sort of pitching a show to the bbc it's a lot more is it going to represent a provincial a part of the uk now of course sunderland that, that that sunderland till i die does that but there but the emphasis on on reaching out globally um is absolutely essential certainly if you want to make more than one series or something and it's definitely part of the pitch mm. um i i like that i mean i'm very proud to uh when i see you know people around the world um, you know, getting into Sunderland and loving Sunderland and following their results—it makes me very proud. And when I went to, if I go to a match and hear the opposition fans singing, "We saw you crying on Netflix." That's <laughs> as, I mean, I've spent my life dreaming of playing for Sunderland. I'm just not very good at football, so um, as close as you're going to get, as close as I'm going to get. Yeah, getting abused by the away by the away fans is fantastic. Yeah, that's exactly. It's a real authentic experience. I remember yeah, when man. I um, when I'm a Portsmouth fan, and uh, <clears throat> one of my um. One of my best ever moments was was uh, interviewing Matt Taylor, who's one of my best ever players, and uh, yeah. he actually he said to me, um, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do the interview, no problem." And then he said, "Oh, can you do you mind coming to my house?" And all of a sudden, oh, I was mate. like, I, "I was a wreck after that." It, yeah. was, it was the, it was the most stressful, nerve wracking day of my entire life. Yeah. So I think sometimes when it comes to making stuff about football and doing bits and pieces, that people sometimes forget that you are a huge yeah. fan of, of a club and, and of the sport generally, and so it's Absolutely. It, it's important not to lose that, right? Dude, Matt Taylor scores so many good goals against Sunderland. I mean, obviously Portsmouth feature quite a lot in this in this series. Yeah, I was at the um, Trade for, uh, Trophy. I'm quite looking forward to looking to that episode. It was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty full on. Uh, weirdly, actually, I don't think the the series shapes up differently to the way you think. I thought not Portsmouth play a big role in it, but I actually thought it was going to be bigger. Um, mm. But um, I, I. Uh, yeah, God, I'm Matt Taylor. He's he scored he scored a lot of good goals against Sunderland. Um, he scored a lot of good goals in general. In, really. Yeah, yeah, he was, was a good player. He was a good player. But I, but I was I was like I think it's worth saying that I thought that the uh, Portsmouth fans were fantastic at Wembley that day. I, like they were, and I think you know Portsmouth are they're a great club. It was and Van played a great role in the series. And that, you know when they they put on their Twitter a couple of things about like the Netflix show. And again, you're just like I'm just so happy to be a part of this. Well, I think both clubs. It's, it's so funny that both both clubs have got a um, a lot in common, particularly more recently, and, they, and they've developed mm-hmm. a more recent rivalry because we've played each other quite a lot. And yeah, and you, obviously you were able to Sunderland were able to knock Portsmouth out of the um, playoff semi final. Yeah. yeah, Portsmouth won the Checker Trade Trophy. It's been quite a fiercely contested rivalry yeah. over recent Absolutely. years, isn't it? Absolutely, but Portsmouth are a, prop, a proper club. You know what yeah, I mean? With like, agree. And you've been like you, you know, you've got a proper fan base. And also, weirdly, although they're like miles apart in the country, both kind of shipyard, port, dock, city. Yeah, absolutely, you know, a lot in common for sure. They say Portsmouth is almost like a northern city in the south, and so it kind of feels yeah. a bit like that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. On, on, so Ben, going back to the the international audience question, um, just before I completely derail my own interview talking about <laughs> yeah. Portsmouth, which has happened before. Um, um, is it is it is it a balancing act though? Because you don't really want to alienate the the, the already quite knowledge heavy British football fan who's gonna who's gonna make up the probably the lion's share of the audience. Is that fair? 
Um, well, I'd be to like the the ambition for the show is that you've got to get beyond that. Yeah, because because to get, I mean, just in in brutal kind of like recommissioning terms, hmm. it it being a hit in the UK isn't enough for Netflix. Hmm. Um, it's it, it, it's much more global than that. But I I don't know. I feel like if you can tap into that human story everyone reacts to it and all and you know we we why do like what do we love again if you take out like obviously we love to see our teams winning but mm. i don't need to explain to a portsmouth fan that doesn't always happen <laughs> and, and yeah. it's so like so what is it that like compels us to watch it and it's there's something deep about the kind of stories that we follow and the players that we fall in love with and following them as they go through and all that deeper thematic stuff and i think that's why people have really reacted well to the series because we dive into like you know i said earlier like I, it's partly this this love affair that we have with sunderland and this weird romance with this city and you know what i mean and like yeah. and what it means to us and our families and you know and when you look at like I mean, we made this in the midst of sort of brexit britain mm. and the idea of these two kind of well-off like guys from oxfordshire coming up from the south to to this northern city very working class northern city and falling in love with it you know and like I don't know. I'm really trying to like really connecting with the community and being adopted and then sort of rounded on and then readopted and that complicated affair that they were having. It sort of says something deeper about all of us and the kind of there's, there is a room like, and during that whole Brexit thing, it was all about the divisions in our country. And that is true and serious. And I hope that doesn't sort of come up again in this whole coronavirus thing. I don't, you know, how it, depending on how it all goes. But there's also a lot of unity and there's also a lot of romance. And football is a working class game, which middle class people love and put on a slightly kind of different accent when they go to the game. <laughs> and like, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's something about this, you know, the smell of the pies and whatever, all that kind of stuff. It's like, there's a, it's a part of our culture that is very beloved to people and very unifying. And, if you can kind of reach out and bring that to screen, then, you know, apart from the Newcastle fans who, you know, who have their own complicated relationship with the series, even them, it represents something to them and to the people around the world that's kind of like touching, I suppose, and, and meaningful. And, and so it, the series can, you know, can, can grow more because if it's just the football, just go watch the game. I mean, not now because yeah. there's no football on, no. but like, but generally speaking, when you put a show like that out, if you're coming for the football, Sunderland aren't, don't play very pretty football and they usually lose. So, but you could go on Saturday and, and switch on Sky and watch a brilliant football match. And if you're not getting out of England, you can watch it in La Liga. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's going to be honored somewhere else. So, you know, you're looking for that, that kind of thematic thing. Sorry, that was a very long winded answer. No, no, not at all. I find it interesting. And then what it really brought me onto was my, my final question or final point, which is just that what it showcases really well is the idea that no matter what football team, we support, and this is kind of a bit, a bit of a woolly or fluffy kind of point to make, but I do think it's a valid one, particularly in, in light of what you've just said. We, who, whoever we support, we have more in common with the fellow football fan, despite the fact that they, they support a rival team than perhaps we might think. And I, and I think the relatability of the show really does showcase that, whether it be Sunderland v Portsmouth or even Sunderland v Newcastle. I think, I don't want to speak on behalf of them because I can't, but I think a lot of Newcastle United fans think there but you know but for the grace of god there there go we because that, that is a very very similar situation in terms yeah, of the to- city and, and and the part of the world you know totally totally I, I think football is a miracle 
I think it's like a totally unique thing. And I've we pitch a lot of sports shows. Uh, and I had, had I had a chat with, with uh, Nat Geo a while back. We didn't quite get the show away, but we were talking about a, a football show. And I was just saying to them how, actually, you know, sometimes you clarify your thoughts when you're talking out loud. Hmm. I was like, this is football is as significant as religion and science and all kinds of things in this world. There is nothing else on this planet that unites people in that way. I could mm. drop into Timbuktu and not be able to speak the language or, or a place where like, you know, in, in the midst of whatever kind of political or racial tension or whatever, and you can talk football with them or you mm. can play football with them. And it's like, it is an amazing unifying force. It's more than just a, it is more than just a game. Um, and and it's Absolutely. a real, it's a real gift that we have. And, and I'm very, uh, I, I feel very sort of privileged that I get to sort of explore that in, in the work that we do. Yeah, and, and, and finally, Ben, absolutely well, well put. Is, is there going to be a season three? What's next? Um, I keep joking with people that like when Sunderland win the Champions League, I'll be right there to film it. Um, we, <laughs> I was we, there I the ho- times. I want the first refusal in. That's yeah, what you exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I hope so. It's not, the, the ship hasn't sailed. Um, I think we felt for the second series, there was a real... Um, new story to tell and a new angle on it um mm. it felt a bit like this season would be uh, we that it wasn't quite there this season in the same way i mean it always ends up being interesting one way or another um but i would but i would love to i'd love to get sunderland fans experiencing joy on screen and i think you could one- always find a new story right because there's always new players yeah. coming in and new staff coming in and new things happening so it wouldn't Absolutely. be it wouldn't get it wouldn't get dull would it Absolutely, absolutely. So, like, yeah, I'd, I hope we do get to make another one. I mean, I certainly, uh, I'm certainly watching as much as much Sunderland games as I was last year. So, like, mm. you know, I'm I'm there in, in spirit. Well, I think fingers crossed, Ben. Both Portsmouth and Sunderland might remain undefeated throughout April. Absolutely, so, something to build absolutely. on. There, something to build on. It, absolutely, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for your time, Ben. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. To harness the passion of the fans. Time for a rebirth of this football club and the renaissance of Sunderland. That intensity and that emotional support can be like an unstoppable force. Sunderland is emotionally tough. When it's bad, it is a place of despair. When it's good, you are absolutely invincible. That's Sunderland Till I Die, Season 2, available now on Netflix, with Season 1 also available on there if you want to catch up. First, I recommend it very, very strongly. If you haven't seen it, do go check it out. Uh, It's a great piece of work, and if you're a football fan of any stripe, you'll really enjoy it. Uh, That's all from me. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again soon. This was a Stakhanov production.